when folks aren't around other people with IBD and we're hiding or keeping private all of the bad parts, we're also missing all the good parts. So coming to a Take Steps event or anything else, you get to see there are people with Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis who are getting married and having families and successful careers and feeling good. And maybe not all the time because we're all human, but I want people to see those things and I want people to hear that it can get better and you can find successful treatments and we can help with that. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Joining us today is Laurel Graham, Senior Manager, Fundraising Campaigns and Volunteer Engagement, along with Jennifer O'Connor, who is the Regional Director for the Northwest Chapter and a Take Steps Team Captain. She's been a captain and IBD patient for over 20 years. Take Steps is the annual fundraising walk for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. One thing that's unique about the organization is that so many patients involved struggle with sharing their diagnosis, their experience with others because of privacy, secrecy, and stigma surrounding Crohn's disease or bathroom disease. Take Steps is an awesome community event that gives a chance for patients and caregivers to be open about their experiences, hear stories. It supports research and improved treatments and eventually a cure. Currently, Crohn's and colitis are chronic, untreatable conditions that can lead to severe complications and surgery for many patients over the course of their life. Welcome, Laurel and Jennifer. I'm so glad to have you and talk about IBD, Crohn's colitis. I got a little education before the show. How we collectively refer to Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. So IBD stands for inflammatory bowel diseases. It encompasses Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. So it's another terminology that you'll hear frequently. But what happens is we say IBD and people will say, I don't know what that is. (laughs) Good, I'm not alone. I think we'll start with you, Jennifer, because you are a patient, an employee, and a team captain. So you get to choose where to start. Thank you so much for having us today and giving us opportunity to talk about the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, our Take Steps for Crohn's and Colitis Walk, and really um, inflammatory bowel disease or IBD, which impacts over 3 million people in the country and here in the Northwest, over 150,000 individuals. So they are challenging diseases, but we are excited to offer a community here at the foundation and through the walk where people can really come together. Because in addition to some of the physical aspects, they're also just really can be emotionally isolating and coming off of a year that we've all had, you know, we all are well, very familiar with isolation and some of the challenges it causes. So while we're still in a virtual format for our walk, we are excited about the community that we've been able to build. And so excited to chat a little bit today. Last year, was your walk in person or was it virtual too? So last year, we, like many others, pivoted to a virtual program. We had great plans to host the event as always in West Seattle. And we're excited to get back to that next year, but we hosted an online virtual live stream, especially this year, really encouraging people to get out in the community do walks with their teams. I am the captain of the J Pouch Posse team, and I've been captaining that team for about 20 years now. And so last year, 
was able to do a very small walk with my sister and husband and brother-in-law and dog and son. But this year, we're excited to maybe get a little bit out more with our teens and, and encouraging people to take walks around their community and taking photos and sharing those on social media because there is still such a great opportunity to connect and share our stories, even though we're not back in a life format. One more year, and then we're, we'll be back, I feel very confident, next year. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Yay! When did you get diagnosed? I was diagnosed in my early 20s, like a lot of people with Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, lots of signs leading up to it. I'm in my early 40s now. Just growing up as a kid, I was labeled a nervous kid. I had stomach problems. And then finally, when I got out of college, I got really sick. And that's not terribly uncommon that there's something that triggers the disease. So when I was diagnosed, there was not a lot of data and information around this, but we know now that Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis are, have a genetic component. There's something going on in the microbiome in your gut. And then the third piece is that something's triggering these diseases. And so we have actually launched an initiative called environmental triggers um, here at the foundation that looks at all types of things like diet, stress, viruses. And so I was finally diagnosed in my early twenties after being sick for quite a while. And we don't know what was my trigger, but something along the course of my childhood triggered this disease. And from there, it was a journey to find the right treatments, right surgeries. And then really for me, as somebody in my early 20s, starting fresh out of college, starting a career, it was really finding the support system and in a group of people who understood what I was experiencing, because I, I'd never heard of these diseases before. Did it require a long hospital stay for you? So initially I was diagnosed with what would be considered a really sort of mild case of ulcerative colitis. And I distinctly remember leaving the gastroenterologist and them saying, oh, you're going to take these pills and you'll be fine. I was like, great, get on with my 20, my 20 something life. And um, about six months later, I was actually extremely sick. And I went back in and they did a colonoscopy and they said that I was in this very small percentage of patients that had a really unique case of colitis where essentially it went from being very mild to being very severe. And at that point I was hospitalized with the goal of getting IV steroids. So prednisone at that time was one of the most common things to sort of knock the the disease down a bit before you can get onto long-term maintenance and Unfortunately, prednisone is not great for you (laughs) and you don't want to take that for very long. And so I went into the hospital thinking that I would get some IV steroids and I would come out and I would go back to work. And I ended up, I was there for weeks. I ended up having surgery. Actually, I had to have my colon removed. There wasn't really another option. So I had my colon removed and then kind of went down the journey of what that means and then getting an ostomy bag for a while, and then eventually a reconstructive surgery. That's where the name J pouch posse actually comes. So for people with ulcerative colitis, fortunately, we have the opportunity to have what sounds like and is, you know, fairly radical surgery where you can remove the colon. And over the course of time, essentially reconnect, use the small intestine to build 
what I call, this is very late terms, build a Jay pouch or a pouch, and then you can be reconnected and have some sort of, you know, some version of normal function moving forward. Yeah, I did not expect that, but it was definitely a moment where they, my surgeon said, we'll do it. I distinctly remember, we'll do it on a Friday and it'll be planned or we'll do it on a Monday and you'll be having emergency surgery because your colon will <laughs> perforate it. So I said, all right, no, that's, that was the direction we went. And it comes with its own set of challenges. And, and we, Laurel and I have the opportunity to work with families all the time that go through these ups and downs. So I'm very fortunate 20 years later to be feeling generally pretty well. But yeah, there's definitely some side effects of that. So it wasn't planned hospitalization or surgery, but that's how, that's where I ended up. So it sounds like uh, research maybe has come a long way. I have a friend who had surgery probably 40 years ago. Uh, Basically, she went in and when she came to, she had an ileostomy. She didn't have any choice. She was 17. Her parents spoke for her. She was engaged to be married. And now she's like, no, I can't. The fact that you had some choice and then the whole reconstructive gives me a lot of hope that I don't know if, if you're working towards a cure. Yeah, absolutely. So our mission is to definitely cure Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. And we're, we're really leading the charge on that front in research. And to your point, research, I, I can't get over where we are 20 years later from being diagnosed just in treatments and knowledge. In addition to curing the diseases, we recognize that, you know, there's millions of people who are living with this every day, and we need to support them and resource them now. And so we also have an entire arm of the foundation that works on programming and advocacy efforts and education. For example, here in Washington state in 2019, we worked with a coalition to pass legislation around step therapy reform. So patients can get the medications that their physicians are prescribing without having to jump through all of the hoops within their insurers. So when patients are denied medication, it can be really challenging and really long-term health outcomes that are very negative. And so we do a lot on the advocacy side. We host a camp for kids ages seven to 17. Unfortunately, the fastest growing patient population right now is pediatrics, creating programs to help steward children through really important times in their lives from physical growth to emotional growth. And then we do a lot on the education side. We work with our local healthcare partners to provide all types of different education. We've done a lot on helping families get through COVID and how to navigate vaccines and isolation and medications. And I will say this last 12 to 15 months has really been an opportunity to really serve the community. And so we're definitely focusing on curing the diseases, bringing better treatments to market, understanding things like diet. We just published a study last week on really the impact of a couple diets on these diseases were 20 years ago, it was like, eat whatever you want, you'll be fine. That's not the case anymore, you know? And so it's really about cures, treatments, and then really supporting the quality of life. Because as we all know, people with chronic illnesses tend to live at a lower quality of life. And, and fortunately, it doesn't have to be that way. So, you know, being able to come on shows like this and just share our mission and what we do is hugely important just so people know that there's resources out there. I was really glad to have you on the show because what I see 
on TV for Kaleidos or Crohn's is that woman who's in a band and she's always running out. And and then there's another with the family where he goes to see his, like, it must be in-laws. And there's always such sadness around the families. And I know it's promoting a, a medicine, but having a really clear idea. And you said you had been sick. So there must be some symptoms that you just didn't know you didn't know, right? Some of the things, you know, a lot of the symptoms, they vary. So for example, I had really chronic and severe abdominal pain, rectal bleeding, incontinence, all fun things that you want to have in college that you (laughs) tend to not raise your hand and talk about. And I think that's really what happened with me. And, you know, some people have uh, delayed growth. And, and so the, the challenge, I think, to some extent, is some of the ways that these diseases present, I mean, present with so many other, there's so many other things that it that it can be, I think, as we work with families in our healthcare community, it seems that primary care physicians and pediatricians are really being able to see these cases and taking them to specialists much faster. So the average time of diagnosis has come down quite a bit. So when I was diagnosed, it took an average of three and a half years to be diagnosed with this disease, which is just an incredibly long time. The other challenge at times is that the symptoms are not pretty and and people don't want to talk about them, especially as you get into those teens and 20 somethings like me. I mean, my mom was an RN and I just did not want to tell her because I thought, oh gosh, this is so embarrassing. The symptoms, and you know, it's interesting because you bring up the medication commercials that has brought quite a bit of awareness of the diseases but not necessarily of what the reality of these diseases are. You don't just have to go to the bathroom a lot. Yes, that is the case for some people, but it's so much more than that. And, um, and, and I think it's just people at times are, especially, you know, when we work with parents, they're just, the kids are embarrassed. They don't want to talk about it. And so it goes on because it's manageable until it's not. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it, it could be almost too late. Right. Yeah. And, and at that point, you are so sick. And I think that's the challenge is that the the great thing is, is that these are really treatable diseases. But it's really ideal when you get to the point where you're in clinical remission, you're on maintenance therapy, and you're kind of continuing to move forward with your life. And I would just imagine the sooner that you get diagnosed, the sooner that you'll get to that point. How does a parent advocate, say they, like your mom was a nurse and had you told her a few things, she may have taken you in and you may have like minimized it. How could she have, had she known, how could she advocate for you? I think a big part of it is listening. I think it's listening when your kids come to you and tell you they don't feel well. Like I'm a parent myself. And when my seven-year-old tells me he doesn't feel good, is it that he just doesn't want to go to school or does he really not feel well? Listening when they don't feel like finishing all of their food on the plate. That's a common one that we talk to parents about and the guilt that parents have about this idea of like, you have to finish everything before you leave the table. And, and I think it's also about making sure that your voice is heard. So we always talk about parents and patients and family members and caregivers need to be the biggest advocate there is because healthcare is challenging to navigate. And it's important to ask questions and it's important to, 
if you're not happy or you don't feel satisfied with the answer, that's okay. And to continue to ask more questions and to continue to dig deeper. And I think to, to reach out to us, I think that's the other thing is the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation just has so many different types of resources to help navigate, for example, 504 plans at school, where once you're diagnosed with this, there's a lot of things that can be put in place to help children navigate school. And, and we can help with all of those types of things. So I think it's about listening and just continuing to ask questions. It's okay. That's what we're here for. That's what your doctors are here for. And that's where I think you can be the biggest help. So I love that you're a patient and then you went to work for the organization. And my thought is if I called an organization and I had something, I'd sure want to talk to someone who's been there, done that. It is, you know, it's interesting. We actually have a lot of people on staff organizationally across the country who have Crohn's or colitis or have a very close family member with Crohn's or colitis. I've had the pleasure of being here for 16 years. So I've been with the foundation for quite a while. I took my first job at the foundation because I had done fundraising and worked in nonprofit and I wanted to work within a community that I felt very passionately about, but then also really understood. And so I came on board 16 years ago to work on programs like Take Steps for Crohn's and Colitis. And I've just had such a great opportunity to to build my career and, and have met amazing people along the way and amazing families and volunteers. And it's just been quite an exceptional opportunity to have an impact. And an organizationally, the way that we've grown in, in 16 years is just incredible. I actually didn't share this in the beginning. The way I, I ever got involved with the foundation before I worked here was I went to a walk program because I knew there had to be somebody else at this walk that had this disease because despite two years of having had ulcerative colitis, I didn't know anybody else. I was really embarrassed about my disease. I was very isolated. And I finally thought I have to meet somebody else who knows what this is like. And so I went to at that time, we were at Magnuson Park, and I went to this walk program and I, I had created a shirt. I actually had written out J pouch posse and uh, like Sharpie marker on a t-shirt with my <laughs> sister. And a volunteer came up to me. Her name was Lois. I will never forget her. And she talked to me about getting involved with the foundation and finding that community and getting connected with an organization and a group of people who knew what it was like to have disease. Like I really believe that changed the course of my life. Like I wouldn't probably be here now having this conversation, but also I went to, who knows how long it would have taken me to feel more comfortable in my own skin and more comfortable, like to lead like a, a relatively normal life. I don't want to forget to share that part because that is really important. And it's really important in what we do, what we do as an organization, but really important is what this walk does, what the take steps walk does. And really it raises really important funds, but it really develops and provides a community for people. And I think that's, that's where we see the just incredible long-term benefit. Someone listening is probably going, oh my gosh, I've got symptoms or I have a family member. You think about organization, this big organization, but then I'm looking at you and Laurel and you're so real and personable. What would you tell someone if they're like, I got to find out more? 
Well, if you want to learn more about the foundation, um, go to our website, Crohn'sAndColitisFoundation.org. Well, we are a national nonprofit health organization. Um, we have chapters all over the country and we are all very personable and connectable, I guess is what I would say. And then here from that website, you can get connected with all of the different chapters. And here in the Northwest, our core staff is based here in the greater Seattle area. We do have a member of our team that's in Oregon. So we support individuals in Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Alaska, and Montana. But that website is just an incredible resource for everything. We have our IBD Help Center where you can talk to licensed professionals for all types of needs that you might have. We have our Crohn's and Colitis online community. And then you can also get connected with people like Laurel and me here in Seattle. And it's just, it's just a great resource. So I always say start at our website. If you want to be involved in a walk, like you said, you went down to Magnuson Park the last year and this year is uh, virtual, but there's still walks going on. So Laurel, tell us about this. So we do have a walk going on this year. What we are really, really recommending is that folks get together with their team. And that might be their friends, their family, their coworkers, whoever is supporting them, they're sharing their disease with, take a walk with them. That counts. When we talk about Take Steps Building Community, it is about seeing hundreds of people in a park, but it can also be about talking openly with your family and just going for a walk with them and seeing that they really are there to support you and they're doing this with you. So take a walk with your team, whatever is safe and comfortable this year. But everyone who is registered for our event is going to get a link to a really cool virtual program. So we're all going to watch the same program on Saturday, June 12th. And that's going to be sort of a kickoff to take your own walk. You're going to hear from people all across the country, patient stories, because just like Jennifer said, it's really powerful to hear other people's stories. You're not alone in this. If you're a patient or a caregiver or a sibling of a patient and don't have other experiences like that in your life, it can be really powerful to hear. So we're going to hear from folks and then we're going to take those walks and we're still connected, even if we're not all together this year. I love it. And I think about how we've been so isolated. Now things are opening up, but we're not in our routine. So what a perfect time to go, hey, I want to find out more about this or my aunt has this. I actually know quite a lot of people that have it, but only one of my friends has ever shared some of the things because like you said, Jennifer, they're not things that people really like to talk about. And I feel like we would have a whole lot more compassion if we knew more. And I think that's the perfect point is that we want to raise awareness about these diseases. So people don't feel embarrassed. They don't feel stigmatized. And they know more about them than just what they see in the the medication commercials. And that's really a lot of what we're doing. And I think if people start talking about it more, they will have the same experience as you did, where there are more people that they know that are impacted by these diseases than they would ever imagine just because they haven't heard about it before. And that there's still the possibility of a full good life. Because I think we have evolved over time, but there are times when you know people have it, they don't participate because they don't know when things are going to happen and it just feels so constrictive. And so to have support and be aware of all the new resources, all the new research. Yeah, and it is really important. And I think the other thing is 
for our community as we put on, as we kind of start to transition back to live events and we start to go back into that more traditional format of engagement, the thing that's really important for our IBD community to know is that we recognize these various elements of living with Crohn's and colitis. So when you come to a take steps walk, you'll see a lot more porta potties than you would probably see at a regular walk. And we always are taking that into consideration when we're thinking about food and we're thinking about access to restrooms or length of courses. Those are all really real things. And we want to make these programs and events as inclusive as absolutely possible. And so we're very thoughtful about that as well to make sure that we're meeting the needs of the community, knowing that those needs might look a little different than other people. It made me wonder if there's an app, there's all these apps for everything where you can get chocolate or a bathroom app for people. So if they are in an unfamiliar place. So there is a bathroom app. I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, unless you happen to know. I know that we don't personally have an app, but there is, there is a bathroom app. I bet if you went into the app store and Google that you would find it specifically for, I mean, I've actually used it. (laughs) So (laughs) the other thing I would add to that little note really quickly is that when I think about advocacy and, and advocating on patients' rights in Washington state, there's the Washington Restroom Access Act. And so for people who have a variety of illnesses, including Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, they cannot be denied access to a restroom in a public place. And so if there's ever somebody who has a challenge with that, I encourage them to contact our office, the Washington State Department of Health site, you can actually get a card that shows this. And then there's a list of the various illnesses. But Things like that are really important and it's become even probably more important coming out of COVID where things are a lot less accessible. We had lots of conversations as a volunteer group about how do people with Crohn's and colitis come out of quarantine when public restrooms aren't open or aren't as available. There's those protections in place and people are required to allow you to use the restroom. That is really good to know. I had no idea, but what a wonderful advocacy, because that would be the first thing. If I was diagnosed, I'd be like, now what? It's a huge fear. And so people, to your point earlier, don't go and do things because they're afraid of not being able to find the bathroom or be able to manage their illness outside of their home. And that is, that's just no way to live your life. And it doesn't have to be that way. And so we're here to help with that. This has been such an awesome conversation. Thank you again for having us and sharing our story and the story of our community. I would encourage you to visit cctakesteps.org and get involved with our Take Steps for Crohn's and Colitis virtual walk this year. And I would encourage you to reach out to us via the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation.org website. We are here to help our patients and our community, and we love to get connected. Thank you for being so vulnerable and being willing to talk about it. I guess I would just add, I think this is about the walk, but all of our events, when folks aren't around other people with IBD and we're hiding or keeping private all of the bad parts, we're also missing all the good parts. So coming to a Take Steps event or anything else, you get to see there are people with Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis who are getting married and having families and successful careers and feeling good. And maybe not all the time because we're all human, but I want people to see those things and I want people to hear that it can get better and you can find successful treatments and we can help with that. So I want people to get to experience that community. 
And we definitely have a lot of ways to get connected. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.